thank you for being here. I'm so glad to see you and thank you for joining us online. There, there are a lot of you that join us online every week and I love that you join us. I wish we could see you in person. Uh, we'll give you a, a distance hug right now or an elbow. But thank you. The, the church is going to grow in every season. Amen. Worship team, thank you, man. That was, oh, it was a good day. It was a good day. The Lord was here. He's still here. Uh, he has a word for us. Oh, man. Hmm. I feel like I just can't really get away from going after fear. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it from a little bit of a different perspective today, though. So if you will open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Hey, buddy. Give me five. Thank you. You have a seat. Okay. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Actually, we're going to first read... 2 Corinthians 10. So if you'll go to 2 Corinthians 10 and 1 Samuel 8, we'll be there. And Father, I just ask that your anointing would be here, that I would say everything I need to say in the most efficient way possible, in the most powerful way possible, that even in their homes, God, they would sense your presence and feel the fire of your word, God, that it would create a change and a shift in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk about warfare today, and in 2 Corinthians 10, you guys probably know this scripture, we've quoted it, he's, he, he's not going to bother me as long as he's not pulling on me, but he's fine. He's too cute to get out, say get out of here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, and we've heard this for our whole lives, and back in the 90s and so, we talked a lot about spiritual warfare, some of you were even here, we did classes on spiritual warfare, and Here's a fact. We are in a spiritual war. Like, it is a fact. And you don't get to just go AWOL. If you're a believer, you don't get to just go AWOL. We are in a spiritual warfare. But we're not in the war that the world has. We're in a different kind of war. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, I am going to ask one thing. Because the camera is right there, I'm going to ask for the kids to shift over to this side, because they'll be, they'll be hearing all the chatter right there on that. Thank you very much. All right, sorry, that's for you. See, I told you I love you guys at home. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, right, we're body, we do not war according to the flesh or according to the world system. If you have your Bibles, read it with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when our, diso when our obedience is fulfilled. All right. The point here is we are in a war. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a war, we typically fight the war that has been brought to us. And what I mean by that is if someone confronts us with anger, we typically join the war with anger. If someone confronts us with accusation, like if someone comes and accuses me of something, the natural tendency probably for all of us is to fight the same war that we were brought into with the same weapon, which is accusation. And so we flip it back. Well, you did this, and I've kept a record of it, and here's when you did it. And right, there's this thing that happens. And right now, we're in a warfare on, for truth. There is a, an extreme war being waged in our world 
maybe more than ever in the history of the world because of the access to technology and, and voices, and truth is being assaulted. And typically what happens is we join into the warfare the way it was brought to us. And this scripture tells us we are not allowed to fight war the way the war was brought to us. God, hey, you all right, buddy? God determines the articles of warfare. Even in world wars, did you know that they sit down and agree to some rules before they jump into war? Like, okay, women and children are off limits or don't drop a nuclear bomb here. And, and there, we'll even be able to set up some of our camps in your country for, to treat wounded people. Like, you wouldn't think that would happen in war, but it does. They sit at a table and they come to some sort of gr- agreement on warfare. What I want us to do is I want us to come into agreement with God's warfare weapons, his tactics, his articles of warfare. I'm going to get into this pretty quickly, but when we're in a war, the enemy always tries to get us to battle according to his weapons, according to his rules, according to our latest compromise, or whatever it is, and the Lord wants us to fight differently. And I, I feel so strongly about this word because it, it feels for me, and I may, I don't know, I'm just asking you, you may feel the same way, I'd like just wave your hand or something. It, it feels like we're being pulled into stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm not actually going to look for it, but it's pulling on me, right? And I don't want to be poured into, pulled into an argument. Like, it says we demolish arguments and things like that, but it doesn't say arguments that go against our worldview. It doesn't say arguments that go against our political leanings or arguments that go against our theology. They're things that set themselves against the knowledge of God, we're only allowed to, to come at these things in warfare when it's to defend and uphold the reputation and the truth of God. We're not to be pulled into all these other arguments and discussions and things that don't really matter unless God gives us the right to do that. Does that make sense? And so it's really easy because I'm being pulled into it. I'm off, when we're pulled into something, we're typically caught off guard. We haven't had a second to, to catch ourselves and get our, our right our correct brain thinking, our default, our reptilian nature kicks in and we just react. And I feel like the, the church as a whole has done that really poorly over this season. And in some ways it's done really well. But I feel like we're being pulled in so many directions because we're fighting wars according to the rules that the enemy has brought and not that God has brought to us. And there's a story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and I won't um, read all of it, but I want to read the first part of it. It's 1 Samuel 8, verses 1 through 20 is the entire text. And something happens here, all right? So verse 1, it says, It came to pass when Samuel was old. So Samuel was the prophet, right? Samuel was the prophet who anointed Saul as king and David as king. And so Samuel was not only prophet, he was the kingmaker, all right? It was God would speak to him who was to step into the line of authority and rule over Israel at the time. And whatever Samuel said is what would happen because he was God's mouthpiece. And Samuel is getting old. And so I think there's some tendency here for him to look at his sons and not really trust them with the things going forward. So Samuel, <laughs> Samuel's kind of nervous, but he says, all right, you guys are judges going forward over Israel. Um, it's not exactly the same role that Samuel played, but he put them as judges, not as the prophetic voice or the kingmaker, but as judges. And the firstborn son's name was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons, listen to this, they did not walk in the ways of, of Samuel or in the ways of God. They turned aside after dishonest gain. Now here's what happens. The power corrupted them. 
Being in places of authority corrupted them. And I'm trying to draw a picture of our world today and this time period. So they took bribes and they perverted justice. Then all the elders, so the elders were concerned. They gathered and they came to Samuel and they said, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. We're worried about where they're leading us. And then they made a really big mistake next. Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Make us like everyone else. Why is this a big deal? Because up until this point in time, Israel had one king and his name was Jehovah. They didn't have another leader. They didn't have, this was, it was Jehovah was our king. And so they were known as the, the sons of God. The, the children of Israel were God's sons. He was their God. And so when Israel slips into this because they reacted to an error in, in judgment and when they reacted to um, um, injustice, they made another error and they jumped in and said, let's just be like other nations. Give us a man to be a king to rule over us. And they made a really bad mistake. Um, and so that was their compromise and that was their sin. And if you fast forward to 1 Samuel 17, now Israel's at war with the Philistines. And how many remember David and Goliath? Even the kids, David and Goliath story. What did Goliath yell at Israel? Send me a what? A man to come and fight me. All right, let's say that. Say, send me a man. Choose a man to come and fight me. And basically he's saying it's a, it's a, a, a battle royale. Whoever wins, their nation is, takes over the other nation. And it, but he, he used the rules that Israel had set. See, Israel was known as God is our king and we are his people. And now because of compromise, now they had become the, the, the people of King Solomon, or Saul, excuse me, before they became the, the people of Saul. And so Goliath used the compromise that they made as the new warfare weapon. And he says, all right, you send me a man. Send me your best warrior and we'll face off man to man because you have a man for king. We have a king. You're just like every other nation. And so now the warfare battle has shifted and it's changed. All right. And until now, that had never happened before. God is the one who fought their battles. God is the one who provided for them. God is the one that stepped up and says, I will fight for Israel. But because Israel compromised and said, we want to be like every other nation, even their enemies said, all right, let's fight the same war. And Israel wasn't called to fight that war. But the Bible says that there was a boy whose heart was turned toward the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. David was that boy. And he said, God is my king. And he wasn't offended that that the Philistines and Goliath were making fun of Saul and the people, the, the kingdom of Saul, he was mad that they were cursing his God, his king. It goes back to the weapons of our warfare are carnal. Now we pull down arguments and things that exalt themselves against God and his authority. David did this same thing in the Old Testament. Who's this, he, he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine who talks about our king, our God that way. He moved past Saul being king and he knew, no, we're a people under God. And it shifted the war and it shifted what happened going forward. And so David took the five smooth stones. He put it in a sling. He hits Goliath between the head. He runs. I love this. He runs to the battle, hits him, and then, then takes Goliath's huge sword and just slices his head off and carries it around with him. This is what happened. And he's basically telling everyone, this is what happens when people defy God. Not when they defy me, not when they defy the king, not when they defy the nation, but when they talk against God, 
His anointing comes over us and we go into war and we will cut the head off of that enemy every single time. And that's how I want us to be as as warriors. I don't want us to be pulled into battles where we defend ourselves, where we feel like we have to defend the church, we have to defend our politics, we have to, you name it, defend all these other things. No, we only defend God and his reputation. And I'm on God's side. I'm not on anyone else's side. I'm on God's side. Whatever side God is on, I'm on. And I'm, I'm talking about this a lot because we live in such weird times where there's so many deceptive voices and influences in the world trying to pull us into things that we weren't equipped to fight. And if we go into a fight and we fight according to the weapons of the war, the world, we will lose every single time. We can't fight the way they do. We can't. We have to fight differently. So there are two key lessons in this, in this story, and I did it really quickly, but we cannot allow the climate of the day to shift our values. I'm going to pause on that. We can't allow the climate of the day to shift our values. I have this talk with my, my sons all the time. I'm like, sons, this is the way God said it is. And I, I won't name anything here, but we talk through the Bible and we say, I'm, I'm talking about from, from being a man to marriage to how you treat people, how you do business. The Bible covers it all. And we say, we believe that. That's it. And I said, even if you ever hear your dad go against what the Bible says, don't side with your dad. You side with the word of God. Because I could, I could go astray. I could lead them the wrong way, but God's word will never lead them the wrong way. And we live in a time where we have to anchor ourselves to the ancient truths and the values of God. Because this slippery slope we talk about all the time or is in the media all the time, it's a real thing. The enemy takes a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and then you look back and you're like, whoa, how do we get so far off the mark? Right here, it looks just like a little bit, right? But man, when we, once we get down there, we're miles away from where we're supposed to be. You're like, how? It's a drift. And the Bible, and Paul talks about, be careful that you don't drift from the ancient truths of the gospel. Be careful that you don't drift from the foundations. And I hear the Lord saying that to, to us again. Don't let the political co- correct climate that we're in allow us to shift our values. It's hard to say. We're even using mediums right now that if we say any certain things, they would just shut it off if they want to. They could. They don't have to. They typically let us go. But there have been cases where people say things and they just shut them down because they declared God's truth. Now, we're going to be wise and we're not going to use God's truth as a weapon. But we will never change our values because of the climate. Well, we've evolved. No, we haven't evolved. God's truth doesn't evolve. It stays the same. There is a static truth. It is a foundation. We don't, we don't grow past it. It stays as it always was. Yesterday, today, forever. It will never change. So we can't change our values. We can't allow the climate to change our covenants. I am not in covenant with the United States of America. I love the United States of America. I, I absolutely do. But my allegiance, first and foremost, is to heaven to God. If I can align myself properly there, then I will serve the United States better and and better off Texas better, right? But my allegiance, my covenant is with God. My covenant is with my wife. My covenant is with my sons. My covenant is with you guys in this room and on the call. My covenant is with my friends. I will not allow the climate of the day to shift my covenant. 
I am a covenant person. I'm a, I'm a faithful dog. Come on. I cannot allow the climate to shift it. And I will not, these are lessons that came in here. They allowed the climate to shift their values, shift their covenants, and shift their long-term goals. I don't want to shift my long-term goals. I want to see heaven come to earth. That's the ultimate goal. It covers it all, right? How many want to see heaven come to earth? That is what we have been called to do, to make disciples and to bring heaven to earth so that other people can experience it. That is our goal. It will never change. So we can't let the climate shift our our values, our covenants, or our long-term goals. The second thing that we can learn in this story is we cannot react to an error committed by an individual and burn the whole system down. You hear me? We cannot allow a sin of a person because we don't sin corporately, we sin individually. We're not a collective, we are individuals that make up a family that choose to be in family together. We're not just grouped together. I hate identity politics, I hate all of it. We're sons and daughters and we're individuals. We, are, we, are, we may have different leanings and this, that, that doesn't matter. We choose to be in relationship with each other, individually. And so we cannot allow <laughs> an error that's committed by someone in a place of authority or leadership, a sin made by them, to say, well, the whole system needs to be burned to the ground. Because that is what the enemy does. He tears systems down. And that's what they did here in, 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 in 1 Samuel. They're like, well, this system's no good. Your sons are, are clowns, man. They're out there doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. They're not like you, Samuel. And so because of our fear of their sin, we're just going to burn the whole system down. And we'll just, it's easier just to be like everyone else. And that wasn't God's plan. That was never his intention. He wanted there to be one king and it to be him. <clears throat> You know the saying, whenever we react to an error, what do we typically do? We create an error. It's that pendulum. Like, well, we're over here, and then, oh, that's really wrong. I need to adjust that. And we swing way over here. and like, whoa, that's, that's wrong, too. And we're like back and forth between these things. And we cannot allow the world we live in or the war that we're in to allow us to do that. We've got to stay steady. What the world needs to see right now, and I'm, I'm preaching tough, but what the world needs to see from all of us is steadfastness. They need to see faithfulness. They need to see us say what we mean and do the things we say we believe. They really need to see that right now. That is better than the arguments. I don't want to argue with people. It, it doesn't, arguments are wasted time. Getting offended because someone else has a different viewpoint than me is a waste of time too. Uh, Matt and I had a great talk this week, and he was like, did you know the gospel is still the gospel even in communist nations? I was like, it's really a good point. The gospel works in every political system there is. The gospel is still there, and it will shift the culture. Um, it doesn't just have to be in a capitalist system. I, I would prefer that. I prefer freedom. I think it makes it easier for the gospel, but God doesn't care. He breaks down barriers and walls no matter where he is. Look at the Church of China underground churches, millions of people that have come into the kingdom when they weren't even supposed to have Bibles. Like, how, how does that happen? God is not bound by our laws. He's not bound by our politics. And our, everything is political right now. It's running everything. As they say, it's running all the things. I, I want to watch sports and not hear about politics. I want to watch people wear jerseys and them not have stuff on it that makes me pick a side. 
I, I, I just do. I, I just want to, I watch sports to get away from all that, and here it is all right in the middle of it. Like, oh, maybe God, maybe sports has been an idol in my life, and God's saying, yeah, see, you don't really not need sports. I do need God. I do need some sports. <laughs> you know I do. You know me, God. <laughs> I know me well. And uh, anyway, but it's everywhere. It's ruining everything. It's ruining, ruining movies. It's ruining TV. It's ruining all the things that we ran to that were fun. It's ruining all the fun. So let's eject from the system. Let's not fight the way they fight. So how do we fight? We fight through surrender. It's not through effort. It's not through toiling. It's not through fighting with a sword. It's not even taking the word of God and using it as a sword. There are times for that, but the way he wants us to war is through surrender. I'm surrendered to him. He tells me what to do. And if he tells me to pick a clay pot and put a jar in it and break it on the ground and it will defeat the enemy when I yell, that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't make any sense. But surrender leads us to do things that are effective even if they don't make sense. That's how we war is through surrender. Would you stand? We're going to close it out. Um, I, I feel like probably more than ever in my whole history of being a pastor and preaching, I feel a weight more every week than I ever had before. I feel more of a responsibility to preach the truth than I've ever felt in my life. I feel more weight to prepare and to know what I'm talking about before I get up here. And it, I, I can't even explain to you what's happened in the last, just since the, the whole COVID stuff started. Like, this is for keeps. This isn't just church. This isn't just what I do for a living. This isn't just what we do for our, our religious exercise. Like, this is, the, this is a big deal. And I, I feel the weight of that. And I hope you do too in your relationship with God that, okay, this is serious. This is solemn. Like, not in a walk around sad thing, but I mean like, no, let's take this seriously. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's go for it the way he tells us to, but let's go for it, all right? Would you just pray with me? And I, I guess the best place to start always is to repent and ask the Lord to show us, have I, have I fallen under the, uh, the influence of the system? Am I fighting according to different rules of war than what you've given me? So let's just ask him that right where you're at, and then we'll go from there. So yeah, God, I, I ask you. I know I have. You brought this up with me. Specifically, I know. You absolutely called me to this. So I ask you to forgive me fighting in an unworthy manner. <laughs> May we fight with honor, God. Hmm. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, just ask him. And if so, just say, God, shift my perspective on this. Shift my default. If I go into this, this typical weapon of war that's not from you, break that connection to that weapon. Give me a better weapon. Replace those weapons I have with better weapons. That's something that we, we do a lot and have seen in the Sozo ministry is like, okay, I carry this thing in here. 
it's not from you, what would you like to replace it with, God? So would you just ask him, God, if this is my typical weapon, if it's, if it's anger, if it's arguing, if it's political, if it's whatever, okay, God, that's a bad weapon. What weapon do you want to put in place of that one? Ask him. <laughs> yeah. What weapon? Yeah. Did he tell you a replacement? Say it out loud if he did. Love. <laughs> Humility. <laughs> Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Woo. Mm. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. We don't do well when we just take something out. What makes this work is putting something in its place. So if my attention and my energy has been poured one place, I have to take all that same attention and point it into a better place. So you need an assignment. I need an assignment. I need something to do. So I want you to ask God, God, in this season, what is my new assignment? Who? <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Did you hear something? Yes? Now go do it. Go for it. If he told you something you don't know fully what it is, study it. Find out what it means. Mm -hmm. He said to me, Nehemiah. That's what he told me. I'm like, all right, I need to go back and restudy Nehemiah. Once you tell someone that if you're with someone close to you, what did he tell you your assignment was? Because see, accountability helps with the assignment. Yeah, it sure does. What's the assignment? I told you all mine. Amen. So we'll pray one more prayer, and then if you want prayer at the front, we'll social distance pray over you and anoint you and sprinkle you from afar, whatever we need to do. It's a different day, right? Anyway, Father, we, I just come to you right now, and I, I just pray uh, on behalf of all of Fire Life and those watching, those connected to this house, that you would help us to have your default system of warfare, that we will put on the weapons that you've given us of love, joy, peace, all the fruit of the Spirit, that they will become how we live our lives. And God, I ask that you would help us to take that energy and that striving and all that attention and focus we've pointed towards this other thing and help us to point it at this new assignment you've given us. And everyone here, your assignment, God, I ask that you would bless them in that assignment, that they would see fruit from it in Jesus' name, that it will be greatly prosperous to their life. Right now, God, I ask that the seasons would shift that they would rise above the atmosphere of the day and live in a place of peace and joy and comfort and no more striving, no more fear. Come on, no more fear. No more fear. I'm so tired of fear. Kick it in the face. I hate it. Oh. 
What's the opposite of fear? Love. So we release love in the atmosphere right now. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for joining us on the Facebook. We love you. We bless you. If you're here, we want to pray for you. And thanks again for being in person too, man. It's, it's awesome to see your faces. All right, God bless you.